Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. James chapter 1, verse 19, the word of the Lord says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. Come on, that's a good line to underline, highlight that, put that in your study guide. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not brittle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. We're going to pause there, the end of chapter 1. I love this letter, and and James, he is a very practical author. He's an author who doesn't hold back anything. We're seeing as we're reading through our daily study guide in our our booklets, James is absolutely awesome. And I want to continue the series, part 2 today. Uh, As we finish chapter 1, what is James getting at? We're going to study it, look at it for the next 25, 30 minutes. I want you to take out a notebook somewhere where you can write down some notes as we study this together. Today I want to talk to you from this title or, or this subject, The Mirror That Changes. The Mirror That Changes. Why don't you turn around to three, four people around you and tell them we're talking about The Mirror That Changes. The Mirror That Changes. We're going to pray and then we'll talk about James for the next few moments And then we'll pray and go join a team outside. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this family here and around the world. Everybody connected, our family and friends. We thank you so much for all that you're doing in this church. Thank you for the last few months. God, we believe you are on the move. And thank you as we head into fall, the seven days of prayer and fasting. We begin tomorrow saying, God, be first in our life. We love you. We thank you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and your compassions. They're made new each and every single day. We thank you. We love you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. And it's in Jesus' name that all of Calvary Church says. Come on, all of Calvary Church says. Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. James is, is such an incredible incredible author as he's writing this letter he's challenging the churches that he's writing to he's challenging them because he says you have this belief these morals these values but you're not living according to those values beliefs 
and morals. He's, he's calling out a contradiction in their life. You're saying one thing, but you're doing something else. You ever met somebody like that who says one thing, yet does something else? Anybody ever met somebody like that? Several years ago, we had this one friend who, he, he started reading some articles and watching some YouTube videos about the power of waking up at 5 a.m. He said, Alex, Alex, that's the magic hour, the magic hour. And I'm like, oh, tell me more. He told me all about the videos that he saw and the articles that he read. He goes, do you know most CEOs wake up at 5 a.m.? That's the magic hour. I'm like, wow, really? Yes. If you want to be successful, if you want to do a lot and accomplish your life, you need to wake up at 5 a.m. It's the magic hour. I'm like, that's amazing. Like, have you started waking up at 5 a.m.? And he's like, not yet, but <laughs> this week, I'm going to start waking up at 5 a.m. A couple of weeks went by, and we're all hanging out. We're all talking, and he brought it up again. He's like, hey, 5 a.m., it's the magic. If you look at the Fortune 500 company, the top 20 CEOs all wake up at 5 a.m. They drink a green juice. They eat grass at 5 a.m. They're alive and active, and I'm doing it. Really, you started waking up at 5 a.m. This Monday I begin. Not yet. This Monday. Haven't started yet. I will this Monday. I'm like, oh, okay. You're saying one thing, but you're not living this thing. Several months passed by. I'm talking about months. And I don't know how we started talking about life and the way we wake up and what we do in our mornings. It was a conversation, just the guys hanging out. I said, hey, by, by the way, the, the magic hour. <laughs> have, you, have you started waking up at 5 a.m.? And he says, no, I haven't been able to, but I, I, I'm, I'm going to. I am going to wake up at 5 a.m. And I started thinking, like, what a contradiction, right? We say one thing but do we really live out that which we say we believe in? This is the type of contradiction that James is pointing out to in the text before us today. He's saying you have these beliefs, you have these morals, these values, you have this faith that you say you believe in, but it's not matching up with your lifestyle, your speech, the way you treat people. You're saying one thing, but you're living something different. In fact, I put it this way today, our beliefs and are disconnected from our behavior. We have a disconnect in our life between what we believe and how we behave. There is a contradiction in our life. James is pointing this out to the churches at that time, but I think it echoes true today all over the world for all of us that say we believe in Jesus. We have these beliefs, but is our behavior matching up to those beliefs? This week, I was trying to really improve in my lifestyle and diet because a couple of the guys here about a month or two ago started doing the carnivore diet. You heard of it? Kenny started the carnivore diet, and uh, I mean, he's done an incredible job. He looks amazing. He has a six-pack now, and he's awesome. <laughs> and so I said, you know what? I'm going to jump on the carnivore diet. Kenny, what do you eat for breakfast? Sirloin steak. <laughs> what do you eat for lunch? Sirloin steak. What about for dinner? Sirloin steak all day. That's all you eat? That's all I eat. I'm a carnivore. And I'm like, okay, I'm, a, I'm jumping on the carnivore diet. You look great. I'm jumping in. And so I, I did it this week. And I told everybody, hey, carnivore diet, it's amazing. I started talking about all the benefits of a carnivore diet. I would tell everybody I see. I went out to lunch with somebody. I'm like, nope, nope, no carbs. I'm on the carnivore diet. <laughs> Kenny told me all about it. 
Wednesday night, Wednesday night, by the way, we had prayer and worship night, which was absolutely phenomenal. And we had a special guest, Chris Palmer. And, and after the service, we went out to eat. I took him out to eat. And the restaurant that we went to, um, they had truffle fries. And I'm like, do those count as carnivore diet? And so I, I had the truffle fries. Wednesday night, I was a walking contradiction because I was saying one thing, yet living something completely different. Are you understanding me so far? This is, this is what James is saying to believers at that time, and it's true today. You're saying one thing, but there's a disconnect between your behavior and your beliefs, between your faith and what you are living out. In other words, he's saying you have a profession, but you don't have a possession. Right? We have a profession of faith. I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the son of God. I believe that he died and on the third day he resurrected. We know our faith. We profess our faith. We believe it. We say it. We declare it. But yet we don't have a possession of it. We don't live it out in our everyday life. In the way we act, in the way we love our neighbor, in the way we treat people. We have a profession, not a possession. And because we don't possess the faith, it never causes any change in our life. We're wondering why we're still the same. We're wondering why we're still dealing with the same issues in our life. Here's the point. Because we have all this information, but there is no application. You can have all the information in the world about the carnival diet, about waking up at 5 a.m., or about faith. But until you apply it, there will be no change. Last week, we said that James is all about growth. It's all about maturity. James' aim in his letter is to tell believers you need to grow up. You need to mature. You need to be believers who live by faith. But until you apply that faith that you believe in, you'll always remain the same. I can put it this way today. Information without application never results in transformation. Oh, you can have all the information in the world. I know all about everything. But if you don't apply it in your life, you'll never get the transformation in your life. You're, you're never going to change. You're never going to grow up. You're never going to become a mature person in your faith because you never apply that which you hear. Am I making sense? This is what James is trying to say. The Bible says in the book of Romans... Oh, be renewed in your mind and be transformed. That word in the Greek is metamorpho, which we get our English word metamorphosis, which means to be changed from the inside out. Today, some of us, we're struggling with the same thing that we were a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago. We're still bitter. We're still resentful. We're still holding on to unforgiveness. We don't want to fix the problems in our marriage or our family circumstance. We're still upset. All it is is that you need to apply what the Word says. You begin to apply it in your life, and you begin to be transformed metamorphosis. Today, some of us, I really believe that God wants to grow us up. God wants to mold us, shape us to look more like Jesus. And how that happens, it's not just another service with our hands up. Somebody pray for us. It's starting to do what the Bible says. Can I say that? Some of you are like, I don't like this James series. I'm coming back from the next series. It's too, it's too difficult. I know. James is challenging me too. <laughs> Put the truffle fries down. <laughs> 
Hey, if you apply all that information that you know, you'll begin to see changes in your life, in your marriage, with your neighbors, in your community, because the word is alive. The word does change. We'll be transformed from the inside out. I don't know about you, but I need God to keep changing me, transforming me. I want to be better. I want to look like Jesus, love like Jesus. I need the word to work in me. I need to apply it. Somebody say apply it. I'll put it this way. To grow and change, you need to apply and practice. Today, come on, as we're going through the second week in the letter of James, if we want to grow and change, apply and practice. Very simple. James is telling us, hey, this faith thing, it's simple. Apply it and practice it. You'll grow up, you'll mature in spite of what you're facing. You and I will begin to look like Jesus Think like Jesus, look more like Jesus when we apply and practice the faith that we know. We, we'll go from having information to having transformation. Are you following along so far what James is saying? Okay, so James is writing to churches that are under pressure. Remember, James is writing from Jerusalem. We know from the book of Acts that they've been under persecution. They're under fire because the Roman Empire hates the church. And so a lot of them have had to leave their homeland, their home city. They've had to go live somewhere else because they are no longer saying that Caesar is Lord. They are now saying Jesus is Lord. So the Roman Empire is upset. They're throwing them out of businesses. They're locking some of them in prison. They're shutting their synagogues down. And so the churches have had to move to different places, and they started churches all over the known world. So James is the overseer of all these churches, or the bishop, the pastor over all these churches. And he knows they're all over the world. And because they're under pressure, some of them started giving up on their faith, walking away from their faith, or acting different from the way that they say that they believe in. Because they're under pressure, they're now mistreating people. Because they're under pressure, they're now not walking like true believers. They, they're treating their spouse different. They're treating their families different because they're, they're under stress, distress, duress. And so they, they no longer are just professing. They're no longer possessing the faith that they say they have. And so James writes to them to remind them that faith works. The faith that you say that you have, that you profess with your mouth... James says, it works every day in everyday life. And you are a Christian, so that means you live by faith, not by sight. That means that we believe by faith. That means that we overcome by faith. That means that we dream big dreams by faith. It's the theme of our church. We believe one day we're going to get a new building by faith. We believe one day we're going to get more comfortable chairs by faith. We believe that one day God is going to save our family by faith. But James is also saying that means you can suffer by faith. I know you're under pressure, but if you live by faith, you got to apply that everywhere. I know you're suffering, but suffer by faith. And so last week, we saw how he started this letter. Some of us didn't like the way he started it because he said, consider it joy <laughs> when you face trials, hard times. And we're like, James, are you drunk? <laughs> right? What is he saying? How did he start off this letter? He's saying, hey, I know you're under test. I know you're under a hard time. But know that while you're going through that, God is working in you and he's making you stronger. 
He's not saying that the experience is joyful. He's saying you can have joy because through the hard experience, God is making you a better, stronger, wiser person. Count it all joy. So if today you're in a test or a trial like I am, we can rejoice. We can have joy because I'm getting stronger in the gym of life. Come on, somebody thank God that he makes us stronger. Somebody thank God that he uses all things for the good of those who love him. Somebody thank God because he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Count it all joy. Come on. So you walk in here and you see everybody singing, I thank God, right? And we're like, why do they got so much joy? Not because everything's okay, but because we know God's in control. So he started the book by saying, count it all joy. Then he goes, hey, by the way, if you need wisdom, ask God and he'll give you wisdom. You're going through a hard time today. Thank God that he's a good God and he'll give you all the wisdom you need. And then he says, by the way, if you're facing temptation, whether it's to walk away from faith or to do something that's immoral, not right, that goes against our values, beliefs, or faith, temptation comes from you, from the desire inside, so watch and pray. So he said that last week. Verse 18, he gets to this point where it's almost like a hinge verse where he basically says, remember, God does not tempt anybody. He's a good father who does good. He sends good, and now he wants us to do good. You following along so far? Verse 18 is kind of like the verse that ties in the, the second part of this letter that he's going to go to. He says, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of God, the Father of lights, who gives good and perfect gifts, so he wants us to be good people. And he's going to talk about the Word of God. He said, we are now the firstborn, the first fruits of this creation that came from the Word of truth. He's going to highlight the Word all throughout the next several verses. Basically... If you have this faith, you need to live by the word. Basically, are you going to live your life by what people say or by what God has said? Okay, so follow along with me. What does he say in the second part of chapter 1? Let's read it one more time. We just read it. Let's read it one more time. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let every person be quick to, come on, be quick to, slow to speak. Slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. I want you to highlight, underline that last part and receive with meekness the implanted word. James knows these Christians are in trouble. They're under pressure. Some of them are walking away. And he says, you know what you need in your life? You need to receive the implanted word. Point number one that I can highlight, and I think you can read through this all throughout the week in our study guide, and you're going to highlight a bunch of other stuff, but uh, something that I learned through this, I think number one, what he's saying is you need to receive the word. Receive the word. Can you say that with me? Come on. Receive. What does he mean by receive the implanted word? When James writes, hey, receive the implanted word, he's not saying receive the word like you would receive a hit, like you would receive a punch, or like you would receive a blow to the head. That's not what he's talking about. Several weeks ago, we were at youth camp. By the way, shout out to our youth. They had the biggest youth camp ever this year. What's going on on Friday nights here is absolutely amazing. If you have middle school or high school students, they need to be here every Friday. It's amazing. But we were at youth camp, and one morning I took two friends with me. They wanted to go with me, so I took two friends with me to youth camp, and we were all up there, me, Diana, Ari, our two friends. And one morning he comes to pick me up because the morning session is starting, so 
uh, he's walking over to our cabin. As he's walking over to our cabin, some of the young guys in the morning, they were throwing a football. And my friend had no idea, and he walked right in between them throwing the football. And he received a blow to the head. The football hit him right in the temple. Now he said, these are high school guys. We're already about to enter our 40s. I'm in my late 30s. He said, I had to toughen up. I had to act like a man. But they hit me right in the temple. And he said, I blacked out for a moment. I saw stars. And I was like, oh, my God. But the young guys are like, hey, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm, per I'm good. I'm good. Right? He received something that was not welcomed. When James writes, receive the implanted word, that word receive there in the Greek, literally what he means is to welcome the word in your life. The way you would welcome a friend or the way you would welcome a meal. Come on, we're about to fast for seven days. You know what I'm going to do next Sunday night? Receive truffle fries after the fast. Right? The way you would welcome, the way you would be gladly welcoming something in your life that you know you need. My mom, about two years ago, got knee surgery. Literally, in the Greek, it's even receive a surgery that you know you need and you welcome it in your life. I need this. I need this surgery in my heart. James is saying, if you receive the word of God like you know it's from God and you receive it, you welcome it in your life, Ooh, you'll see the change. You'll see the growth. You'll see the maturity. You follow me along so far? This is why Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. What did Paul say here, which James is echoing? Hey, when you heard us preach in synagogues, whether it was Peter, Paul, James, any of the apostles or teachers or pastors, you did not hear us preach and say, oh, that's their opinion. You received the word as it was the word of God. And because of that, the word comes alive and works in you. We have a problem in our culture, in our society, in our world today, because we have this beautiful book that God has given us. And our culture today will tell us this is antiquated. This is old. Oh, some old men wrote this book thousands of years ago. It was their opinion. And so nobody wants that. You don't receive it in your life. You don't welcome it in your life. So it can't work in your life. You're not seeing the change. We're not seeing the growth in our life because we're not applying what the word says. We're not welcoming it in our life. Well, what does that know? I can do whatever I want. Don't tell me what I could or cannot do. What is this book trying to tell me? Who are these men to tell me how I can? They don't know what they're talking about. And you refuse to believe that there's power. This word is alive. It is active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. It will work surgery in your life that you need more than you know. You following along so far? Like you need this book. You, you want to keep your opinion that it's from men and men wrote this. That's fine. James is saying you'll never grow up and you'll never mature if you don't receive or welcome it like a friend. Our world today would just write it off like, hey, don't tell me who I can love. Love is love. Don't tell me what I can do. Don't tell me who I can sleep with. Don't tell me how I can live my life. Don't tell me when to wake up. Don't tell me what to eat. Don't tell me what to do with my finances. I don't want to tithe. I don't want to give. I don't want to serve. I don't want to do it. This book can't tell me nothing. I love what Pastor Tim Keller says. Tim Keller says, he's the late, great Tim Keller who recently passed away, an incredible pastor. But I love this line. If your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idolized version of yourself. I think many of us don't really want God, we want to be gods. 
And the reason we don't receive the Word of God is because it'll challenge us. The Word of God will challenge us. It'll show us areas of our life that we need to get better in. And so James is saying, receive the Word of God implanted in you. What does that mean? Again, he's talking to Christians. Why would Christians need to receive something that's already in them? Basically, what he's saying is you need to have it in you and keep on listening to it and receiving it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So Paul tells us in the book of Romans, in other words, when he says you need to be slow to speak and quick to hear, the word there in the Greek is you need to be eager to hear the Word of God. In other words, you need to have this excitement in your life. I can't wait to listen to God's word. I need to wake up in the morning and listen to God's word. When I'm going to sleep at night, I need God's word in my life. I need to go on Sundays with no Selene in. I need God's word. Be quick to hear. Have an eagerness in your life. You know why I think we don't see change in our city, in our culture, in our society? You know why I think we're in a down spiral? Because people are more eager to see a football game than they are to hear from the word of God. We're more excited for sporting events, entertainment, and I'm all for that. I'm a fan of that. Coach Prime and Colorado are going to dominate college football. I'm the number one fan. I get it. I love sports. But first and foremost, I'm eager. God, I want to hear from you. Speak to me. I need your word. I need to be challenged. I need growth. Call me out. Make me better. Free me. Deliver me. Help me. God, I need your word. And so James is saying, receive the word in your life. Number two, we don't have that much time. Number two, practice the word. James is not just saying, receive it. He's saying, practice the word. Somebody say, practice the word. Look what he says. Verse 22 through 25, we just read it. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. In other words, you say 5 a.m. is amazing. You're not doing it. You're only deceiving yourself. Take shortcuts. You're only cutting yourself short. Eat the truffle fries. You're only deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. He looks at himself and he goes away and at once he forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he'll be blessed in his doing. Number two, practice the word is what James is saying. James says, hey, hey, believers, Christians, you need to mature, you need to grow up, you need to hold on. I know times are hard. Receive it, welcome, be eager for the word of God. Look for it, listen to it. Be slow to speak, disagree with God. You get mad at God, angry at God, be slow to anger. Are you trying to be God or is he God? And then number two, practice the word. He said, don't just be a hearer, but be a doer. In the Greek there, what he means, again, the Bible's written in Greek. What he means there, if we were to translate it almost literally, what he means is don't be a hearer that shows up to a concert. That's what, the, that's what he means there when he says don't be a hearer. You and I, we can go to a concert, we sit down, and we're like, whoa, this is great. It was awesome. And after the performance, that was great. Mark Anthony, thank you. Awesome. That was great, right? Like, that's awesome. We heard something amazing. He says don't just hear it, be a doer. And a doer means don't just act out. In the Greek, he means be it. Let your whole being be transformed by what you heard. Oof, that's deep. James is profound. It's beautiful. I'll give you an example. I remember being in middle school, and, 
And maybe you remember, for some of us, it wasn't that long ago for me, it was a few years ago, but um, I was in middle school, and, and you remember the day when we, we would bring like the, the heroes of the community out. The cops would come, the firefighters would come, and you got to see all the firefighters and all the cops. I remember, I grew up here in Cutler Ridge, and so uh, they would bring the fire trucks. If you went to a really good middle school in a better neighborhood, they, brought, they even brought the helicopter. Everybody remember they brought the, I just got one truck. And then uh, the truck came, and they would let you put on the uniform. They'll let you put on the uniform, and you'll put on the firefighter uniform. You'll slip it up. Give me the helmet. Give me the helmet, too. I'll put the helmet on, and we're walking around, you know, 11, 12 years old. I'm a firefighter, right? Like, They'll let you jump in the truck too. So we'll jump in the truck and we all pretended we were firefighters. But after they left, none of us were firefighters. We went back to being seventh grade middle school boys. James is saying, if you're just a hearer, you're like a middle school boy that's just putting on a uniform but taking it off once you leave church. He says, be a doer. In other words, some of you are just hearing, but not doing. You're not a Christian just because you attend church and listen. You're a Christian when you apply it to your life and you let it become your whole being and you begin to transform. Let it transform you from the inside out. I, I wanna practice what I hear. I need to get better. So he says, be a doer. I just think, especially in the Western world, in our world, in American Christianity, we have a whole lot of hearers, very little doers. I mean, you, you talk all around our country. People say they believe in God. People say they're Christian. Our nation was founded on faith, right? And they know that. They know the Ten Commandments. They at least know one of them, right? But then you look at their lives, and there's a contradiction. You say you believe one thing, but you're not living this thing out for real. So now James is going to bring up this simile or metaphor of the Bible, the Word of God, being like a mirror. And he says, oh, the one who hears but doesn't apply it in his life, he's like somebody who looks in the mirror. And then when he walks away, he forgets what he looks like. But the one who does the Word of God, he looks and perseveres looking at the Word of God. And it begins to transform him. It begins to change. In the Greek, there's two words he uses there. Basically, one is, one just glances at the word. It's like, okay, this is off James. Oh, awesome, great. And then you forget all that we talked about on Sunday or Sundays prior. There's another one that says, I need this word. and I just don't need a Sunday morning. I need a Sunday night. I need a Monday morning. I need a Tuesday night. I need a Wednesday morning. And, and you just, you look and you keep on looking. That's a doer. Because as you look in the mirror, the mirror begins to change you. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for mirrors. I have a mirror in my office, and Sundays, right before service starts, I come out and I look in the mirror to see if I have anything in my teeth, to see if my shirt's okay. I, I'm, I think, I hope some of us looked in the mirror today before we left our house. Everybody thankful for a mirror? A mirror tells you what you have wrong, and it's like, yep, 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 you got some spinach in your teeth, take it out. I remember I grew up in this uh, young adult group that we used to have, and we had an awesome youth pastor. And, he, he gave me a lot of opportunities to go up on the platform, and I did announcements sometimes, or I would do a salvation invitation. He was great. Frank gave me a lot of opportunities. And I had a friend of mine, still my friend, my brother to this day. He would always sit next to me. We'll sit together in young adult group. And uh, one time he got called to go do some announcements, and he turned to me really quick, and he's like, hey, hey, I got any soldiers? And I'm like, soldiers? What are you talking about? His name's Jason. I'm like, Jay, what are you talking about? 
Check my nose, man. Do I got, I'm about to go up there. Do I got any soldiers? I'm like, oh. I'm like, no, you're good. <laughs> but I get it. He wanted me to check. We didn't have a mirror in service in the front row. So I was basically his mirror trying to help him. And I'm like, no, you're good. good. So next time I had to go up, I turned to him and I go, hey, Jay. I got, I got any soldiers? <laughs> you know how beautiful the word of God is that we open it and it will tell you, yeah, you got a soldier. Yeah, hey, clean up that attitude. Yeah, hey, that addiction that keeps you in bondage, you talk to somebody about that. Let that thing go. Hey, that, that anger issue. Hey, you're mistreating your spouse. Hey, you haven't spent time with your kids. Hey, you're not loving your neighbor. Hey, you're not praying for your enemies. Hey, you're not living out what you say you believe. You're, you're professing, but you're not possessing. Hey, hey, change that in your life. It's a mirror that changes us. James says, don't just look at it and walk away and then you forget. Look at it and let it change you. I'm about to finish. But I was reading this commentary this week that says, this may seem extreme, maybe even bizarre to our day and age, but John Wesley, an incredible pastor, used to preach back in the day. As he was preaching, men and women in the crowd would begin to weep, fall on their knees, and ask God for forgiveness. Because as the word was going out, it was a mirror in front of them, and they realized they needed to change their life immediately. Not tomorrow, today. I can't continue living the same. Change me, Lord. It's what Isaiah said when he saw the presence of God. Isaiah says, woe is me, I'm a sinner. It's what Job says when he's confronted by God. Job says, oh, that you will forgive me and change me, oh God. And I just think in America, we have a problem. We think we're God and we think the mirror is giving us a wrong image. I don't have no dirt. I don't have no surgeries. I don't need to fix anything in my life. Oh, that we would let the Word of God be a mirror and we would practice it. Change me. I repent. I need to fix this in my life. Forgive me. Forgive my attitude. Forgive my addictions. Forgive my way of thinking. Forgive that I don't want to be mature. I don't want to grow up. God, I need your Word. Would you help me be the mirror that calls things out in my life? I need change. I need repentance. I need to grow up. And I really think it's the pride of men. Who is this pastor telling me anything? I'm telling you I'm with you. I need the word just as much as you. But we have this cockiness in America or in our Western world. Nobody can tell us anything. And if we only knew that there's benefits in the word and if we can humbly with meekness receive the word and be doers of the word, whew, we would be so much better. And James is saying, don't just be a hearer, be a doer. And the man who does it, he will be blessed. James, it's a beautiful letter. And I'm telling you, I love that we're going through it as a church. My prayer for my life, for your life today would be, let's, let's be doers. And whatever we sense the Holy Spirit is telling us right now in this moment, we need to change. Do it today. Don't be like a person that glances and walks away and forget. Gaze. Pick up the word of God and gaze. More than anything, I can see on a platform, any of the pastors, you need, you need to look at the Word of God. Go get a Bible. I was talking to a friend of mine recently. I said, where's your Bible? I grew up with parents, thank God, that told me, give us a la iglesia todo domingo. And they bought us Bibles. Nowadays, Americans, like, all we have is iPhones. And that's our Bible. You need to go get a physical Bible. 
Like get a physical Bible that you can highlight and like fall in love with this book. This will never run out of battery like my iPhone. I got it all the time. Like get it in your life. I was reminded this week there was moments when I was 17 and 18. I just wanted to serve the Lord so much. I promise you. I would go into my room to pray. And I'll just open my Bible on the floor and I'll put my head on it. I promise you. I would lay out. I'd probably look like a clown, but I don't care. I just, God, I need your word in me. The Old Testament would say, oh, may your law be written on the tablets of my heart. All across the Proverbs and the Psalms, oh, Lord, I delight in your word. I love the law of the Lord. Like, that's what we need to go back to. We read Nehemiah earlier this year. When the priest put out the word, revival happened. Don't just be hearers, be doers. Lord, write this in my heart day and night and let me live this out. James is saying, receive the word, practice the word. And then number three, we'll finish with this. He's saying, share the word. In other words, when you live something out, it'll, it'll work out in the way you treat people, in the way you see people. You'll begin to share the word of God, not just say that you believe in the word of God. And there's a big difference between the two. We'll finish with the last two verses, verse 26 and 27. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his heart. But the person, that person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Basically, what, what James is saying, he's like, hey, if the word is not really in you and you don't live this thing out, you just got religion. And he uses two different terms for religion there. He's saying religion in one word in the Greek is just ceremonies, traditions that you carry out. And he says, okay, you go to synagogue, you go to church, you write your notes, cool, you know the songs, awesome. That religion is worthless, he said. You know the songs? You grew up, some of us grew up Catholic or whatever, you did first communion, or now you come here to church on a Sunday, you're a Christian, cool, but, but you don't really live this thing out, worthless. What good is it if you carry out ceremonies on the outside, but you don't have transformation on the inside? He said, but the religion... He said, religion that pleases God, that is undefiled, that's pure, it's beautiful. Oh, it's one that visits widows and orphans and is unstained from worldliness. What does he mean? Literally, that word religion then in the Greek is you serve God and you serve others. That's good religion. Some of us, we, we, we use this phrase a lot. Yeah, I'm not religious. I have relationship. And I get that. And, and we say that because people tend to tie in religion to ceremonies and traditions. And so, yeah, I'll tell all people all the time, I'm not religious. I have a relationship. But in one sense, we are religious. In the sense that we serve God and we serve others. James saying, if there's been a change in your heart, it's going to be evident in the way you speak and treat others. Share the word. James is echoing what his brother Jesus says. Remember, this is James, the brother of Jesus. And all throughout the letter, we're going to see that James echoes a lot what Jesus taught. And, and if we read this last section of chapter 1, it kind of sounds like when Jesus was asked in Matthew 22, what are the two greatest commandments? And you and I, we know what Jesus responded. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, 39. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In other words, don't just be a hearer, be a doer. 
Sounds very similar. Oh, that you would love the Lord your God with everything. Don't just hear me. Don't just know about me. Love the Lord your God with everything in you, every day. But then Jesus follows it. He says, this is the greatest and first commandment, and the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Sounds kind of like what James is saying, that when you love the Lord with all your mind, your heart, your soul, it'll show out in the way you treat your neighbors. You'll visit the widows, the orphans, and you'll be unstained from worldliness. In other words, as you look in the mirror that changes you, you'll have compassion and care for those that don't know Jesus. And you won't be influenced by the world. You'll be influenced by the Word of God. Today, maybe some of us, we, we need to stop glancing in the mirror and start gazing in the mirror. I was talking to a friend of mine recently. I said, hey, what would you pick up from the Nehemiah series? And he's like, man, Nehemiah was, it was great. It was one of my favorite series. It was awesome. Yeah, like, what'd you learn? So I was just great, man. Nehemiah was a soldier. And I'm like, a soldier? No, no, a soldier. Right? Like, I just feel like we attend church, but we never let what happens in church come inside. Lean in and say, God, I, I want to receive, I want to practice, and I want to share. When that faith comes alive in you, when that word becomes alive in you, when you start to apply it, I'm telling you, your life will never be the same. If you want to grow and change, apply and practice. I can go across this room. I know a lot of our dream team members, pastors, leaders, who were one person before Christ, another person after Christ. Look across this front row, I'm talking to Yuli several months ago, and he starts telling me stories before he met Jesus, before he met his life. It's not the same Yuli that's sitting here. Because the gospel brings transformation. Talking to Arnold two months ago as well. He was telling me who he was. He was at Club Live every Sunday night. This boy was a wild boy. <laughs> but when the gospel comes inside and you apply it, it brings, like you, they tell me stories and I'm like, no, I, I don't even believe that. That was you. I can't even picture you talking the way you used to talk. You're telling me this and I can't because they're different men now. They're men who love Jesus, serve Jesus, serve their community. I can't imagine Ulysses or Arnold ever cursing. Like, yeah, the gospel even changes the way you talk. The gospel changes the way you treat people, the way you love, the way you have compassion. You share the word now. And today, some of us, we just need the word to come to a work in our life. I want us to stand up on our feet. Maybe you're here today and this is your first time here, second time. Maybe you've been coming for a while, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe today you feel far from God. You feel... Like God wants nothing to do with you because you've had so many issues in your life. Maybe you feel like, Alex, you have no idea what I've been through. There's no way God can love somebody like me. I'm here to tell you God loves you. And I know that he brought you all the way here to Kendall. Where he connected you to this live stream just so that you would hear this. God loves you. And God loves you so much, he won't leave you right there where you're at. He wants to come into your life and make you better, stronger, wiser. Maybe you're saying, Alex, yeah, but I have sin in my life. I've got so many issues. And that may be true, but the Bible says all of us are sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. And we all sin. We all fail. The Bible says all of us fall short of God's standard. And sin has a heavy, heavy price. If you're in sin today, I want to tell you, be careful. The Bible says there's a way that looks right to man, but at the end it leads to destruction. 
Today you're probably living your life however you want, doing whatever you want. At the end, the Bible says there's death. In fact, the Bible says that the wages or the end of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In other words, if you and I continue in sin, we will die spiritually, emotionally, mentally. Many times physically our sin will kill us. But God is so good, he wants to give us life today. With every eye closed, every head bowed, if you're in here, you're saying, Alex, I got sin in my life. And today I, I want forgiveness. Today I want Jesus to come into my life. The Bible says he went up on a cross and he paid the ultimate price for sin. Sin should have killed us, but Jesus says, I'll take the price so that you can have life and light to the fullest. You've been searching for peace. You've been searching for hope, mercy, grace. God's word, the mirror is trying to tell us you're not going to find it at the bottom of a bottle. Another one night stand, another relationship, another car, another salary, another house. The peace you want is only found in Jesus. The Bible says he died there on that cross. He went down to a grave. He was dead for three days, but then he resurrected. Jesus is alive. Today, if you need Jesus, I'm going to count to three, and I want you to raise your hand. Every eye closed, every head bowed, in a moment of prayer, in a moment of privacy. Today, if you're saying, Alex, I need a new beginning. I need forgiveness of my sins. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand, hold it up high enough, long enough for me to see you, then you can put it right back down. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. Every eye closed. Come on, as the church is praying, additional seating as well, online as well. To count of three, if you're saying, I need Jesus, I need forgiveness, lift up your hand, hold it up for a few seconds. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can. Raise it up, raise it up, raise it up, raise it up. Can you wave it? I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Amazing, amazing. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amazing, 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 amazing. Hands everywhere. Awesome. Additional seating online. I see you back there. Amazing. You can put your hands back down. Let's say this prayer together. All of us in one voice. If you raise your hand, I want you to say this with all you got. I'm making this first prayer easy, but you can talk to God any place, anywhere. In fact, the whole church. Why don't we repeat this out loud? Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today I admit that I'm a sinner. And that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. That you died for my sins. And on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Come on, can we make some noise for Jesus today? He's a good God. Hey, have you made that decision today? Hands went up all over the auditorium. We have a gift for you outside. As you go find out about teams and visit all the tents, we have one tent out there called the Connect Tent. You're gonna see people waving this bag. In here, there's a free gift for you. There's a free Bible, there's a free coffee cup. Don't leave this place without this gift in your hands. We wanna give it to you today. There's a bunch of stuff, a letter for me in there. More importantly, there's a Bible in there. Wanna make sure you pick up a Bible. Anybody thankful for the mirror? Anybody thankful for God's word? Come on, can you make some noise one more time? Get that study guide. Let's get in our word. Why don't we lift up our hands? We're going to leave out of here celebrating one more time. I want us to go out of here celebrating today. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Father, we thank you for James. Thank you for the mirror that changes us. God, we pray that you do a work in our life, our family, our home, our relationship. Go before us this week. Go behind us. Surround us with your goodness. Let your glory shine upon us. We love you. Let us have the best week as we follow you in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you.